You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are going to do something a little bit different today because we need to wrap up the 2019 season. And so what we're going to do is what the Packers are doing. We're going to do an exit interview. Now, Matt LaFleur is going to sit down with any and all Packers and talk about the season, talk about where they need to get to, where they need to be, what they need to do in the offseason, all of that stuff. This is mostly going to be a review, but I want to take a look at this team, this season, what they've done, and what they need to improve on to move forward, because I think that is where everyone is focused at this point. Where were the failings? Where does this team need to get better? How do they need to do that? And then who are the players that can get them there? We're going to have a lot of time, a lot of time to talk about the players that can impact this team in a positive way, free agency, trades, draft, etc. We're not going to get into any of that today. We're just going to identify places on this roster where Green Bay was good, where they were bad, where they were okay, and where they can get better. As you look at this team, the obvious place to point to after a beatdown in San Francisco is on defense. A reminder, the way that I view team building, quarterback is the most important position on the field. The second most important is pass rush. Third is coverage. Fourth is protection. And fifth is receiver. Those are the priority positions for any team. And so those are going to be more important to me than anything else. So a lot of fans are going to are gonna wail and gnash their teeth about the run defense. I'm going to care less about the run defense as a whole in terms of trying to identify strength and, strengths and weaknesses for this team. But it is going to come up multiple times as we talk about the defense. So, But it is going to come up multiple times as we talk about the defense because it simply cannot be ignored. In terms of the pass rush, this was a great team. Top five in pressure rate. They had the most productive pass rusher in the league, Zadarius Smith. An unquestioned success. Preston Smith as well as Zadarius Smith named an alternate to the Pro Bowl this week. I don't know how going into the last day of voting, Preston Smith was leading the vote getting and then somehow doesn't wind up on the team. I don't know if there was an accounting error somewhere, but it doesn't make sense to me. He should be a pro bowler as well. Green Bay, to me, in that that first line, and it's it's complicated because they're not a true front. It's not the front. You have seven guys in a front, but that line, there are three, four, but their line with Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith, that group of three is as good a trio as there is in football. Now, it's clearly not enough. 
and we're going to get to that in a second. So the pass rush is really in a good place because they can rush from inside, they can rush from outside. They've got a secondary pass rusher in Rashawn Gary. I think we're just scratching the surface of what he can be. And we're going to see more of him next year with Kyler Fackrell likely to hit free agency and move on. Maybe we see him play a little bit more inside. That is still to be determined. But this pass rush is in a great place a year after it looked like really the weakest major spot on the team. So then we move down the the list of items. Coverage. Okay, Green Bay ended up top 10, adjusted for schedule, defending the pass, according to Football Outsiders. That's a significant improvement from the year prior and the years prior, frankly. Part of that is pass rush, no question, but part of it is also coverage. Jair Alexander came into his own. Darnell Savage was on the all-rookie team for the PFWA, for which I vote and did vote for Darnell Savage. And Adrian Amos did his job. He played his role and, and played it well. Kevin King, in what was really his first full season as a starter, remember that, his first full season as a starter, leads the team in interceptions. Now, he also gave up some plays. If he can tighten some of that stuff up, if he can get more consistent as a tackler, he can be a good player. You don't need him to be Darrell Rivas. You just need him to be solid. If he can be a little bit more consistent and do what he did this season and stay on the field, then the two most important things a defense can do, rush the passer and cover, Green Bay is in an excellent position to do. I like Chandon Sullivan as a Tremont Williams replacement. I thought he was excellent as a dime safety, played some in the slot, and was a a net positive player a year after being unplayable for the Eagles in some spot duty. I mean, he was really bad in Philly and yet took a a marked step forward for the Packers. They also love Kadar Holman, who we didn't get to see on the field, but they like his potential, his upside, particularly as a press corner. He impressed in training camp, in the offseason process, and in the preseason. At the two most important things a defense can do, Green Bay is in an excellent position with good young players, hungry players, and now veteran players to grow as a group and play their role as an integral part of helping this team win games. Now, the run defense. Again, the run defense... I care much less about, but I do think that the defensive line is a problem for the Packers in this regard. Dean Lowry is a guy. He got paid like he's a quality starter. He, he's a replacement level defensive lineman and he is, he's a starting quality defensive lineman. He had some good games and he had some terrible games. He's not an impact player. Could they upgrade that position? Yes, they could. Is it a net negative? No, I don't think so. I think Dean Lowry is a fine, okay player. Not going to hurt you. The problem is next to Kenny Clark, they don't have anyone else. Tyler Lancaster is not it. It was supposed to be Montrevious Adams. We heard all offseason that he was the guy who won the offseason. He was the guy that had taken that proverbial next step. And then we saw nothing. That is a spot I think Green Bay is going to look to upgrade in a meaningful way this offseason, whether that is in free agency or in the draft. I wouldn't be surprised if it was their first pick. And that is going to be annoying for a lot of Packer fans that they are not going to pick a receiver or a linebacker. But the receiver class is deep. The linebacker class is deep-ish. 
I don't love the defensive line class if there are just a handful of first-round players and one of them falls to them at 30. I think it's something Green Bay will seriously consider because they need that talent. They need to ease the burden on Kenny Clark. He played a ton more snaps this year, and I just don't, I don't know that it's sustainable for his career. They're gonna get, they're gonna get an extension for him. He's gonna be one of the highest paid defensive linemen in football. So that's why I think the Packers will look to the draft to get him a running mate because they're just not gonna be able to afford to pay someone who can come in and impact their defense right away. And that, of course, brings us to the linebackers. Blake Martinez, I think, is gonna walk. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up. Out on the East Coast, one of the New York teams looking to spend some money on a veteran player, on a on a guy who's been in a winning organization and has has been part of a winning culture. He's the kind of guy a, a bad team overpays to try and come in and just be solid. Doesn't he just have Dave Gettleman written all over him? Oh, he can come downhill and defend the run. Great. Well, he couldn't on Sunday because he's not fast enough, he's not instinctive enough, and he just is is not a playmaker. He's fine when you have really good defensive linemen when you're rushing the passer and when he's not being asked to attack in space. But he also held back what Mike Patton was able to do with this defense because you can't match him up on running backs or tight ends. So you have to play small. I think Mike Patton wanted to play small, but you have to play small with Blake Martinez because he can't do the things that other linebackers can do in coverage. B.J. Goodson certainly can't do it. I'm not going to pretend to understand why Oren Burks is not part of the plan here. I've I've talked about this so many times, but he had a good training camp his rookie year, played well in preseason, looked to be earning snaps, and due to injury was going to come in and look like he was going to be a starter. He hurts his shoulder, and all of a sudden, they bring in Antonio Morrison, and he can't get on the field. Can't get on the field. And when he gets on the field, he doesn't look very good. Okay, then we think... The defense, Mike Patton, those guys have more faith in him. If he's going to go through the offseason process at OTAs and training camp and mini camps, he's going to be the starting linebacker and they're going to play a lot of nickel. That's what it looked like. We, we, How many shows did we spend talking about how they're going to play bigger this year because Oren Burks can cover? Then he gets hurt again. Obviously not ideal that he keeps getting hurt, but then can't get back on, on the field even when it's clear the Packers are struggling to cover tight ends. You lose Raven Green. Ibrahim Campbell's not ready. B.J. Goodson can't do it, and he still can't get out on the field. Now, I'm not ready to give up on the Oren Burks experiment. This is still a new position to him, linebacker is. He's a former safety, and I, I don't think that you just want to throw away a, a player that you traded up in the third round for just two off-seasons ago. He's just going to be in his third year. You don't give up on those kinds of players, but they need help there. So the two places that Green Bay really gave their season away at the end came to bear. It's their two weakest places. And it was all season, defensive line and linebacker. They need a running mate for Kenny Clark, and they need a replacement for Blake Martinez. And if they want to play small, that's fine. You put someone like Kenneth Murphy in there, Patrick Queen in there, and all of a sudden, you can play Ibrahim Campbell or Raven Green in that nickel linebacker spot because you have a linebacker who can run and cover and you've you've bolstered your defensive line in front of him. Those things play together. When you don't have good defensive line play in front and you have a limited linebacker, those things exacerbate one another 
and become a real problem for your defense, both in the run game and in the passing game. And speaking of exacerbating, let's talk about Blue Chew. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance his performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our promo code locked on, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. And I know we talk about wellness a lot. We talk about fitness a lot. But there's another side to the game that's just as important. And I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help train your mind. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. And for LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. This is a guy who spends reportedly a million dollars a year on his body, and he is telling you that calm is the thing. And right now, you can go to calm.com slash locked on to get 40% off a calm premium membership. With calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves. Doesn't that sound nice? Rain on leaves. And so much more, like sleep stories and meditation. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. I hope they don't make LeBron pay for it. He gets a 40% discount. That doesn't seem fair. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. We have to start with the most important position on the field, the offense and the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers was not great in 2019. He was good. He was good. Not great. Pro Football Focus came out with a wins above replacement metric that they have formulated. It is a proprietary formula. They have not made public how they are putting this together. But this is the thing about PFF. Their their raison d'etre is to parse credit, to find the individual play of every player on every play. What is the offensive guard doing? What is the receiver, the quarterback, the running back, the tackle, the tight end, everybody? What is everyone doing and grade everything? Which means they take everything into account. They take into into account drops, great catches, runs after the catch, all that stuff. And they found Rodgers was the fourth most impactful quarterback in football. Only Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Patrick Mahomes created more value. Now it's a counting stat. So you you accumulate value over time. You play 16 games and it's possible you create more war than Lamar Jackson, who only plays 15 or than Drew Brees, who misses a month and a half with a thumb injury. But it speaks to a level of play that I don't think is recognized throughout the NFL observer world, whether it's analysts, media fans, Etc. Mike Sando was on this podcast last week saying he does not hear from coaches and executives that Aaron Rodgers is the problem, that he is the guy weighing down this offense. 
And I think that's right. When you go back and we talked about total points, that metric found Rodgers was the number one value creator quarterback in football. Again, had he played 15 games, it might not have been the same. He would have been behind Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees in value created per game, but he played 16 games and that matters. So I think he was better ultimately than the final numbers indicate, better than the advanced analytics people will have you believe. And that's a whole separate question. I had a little mini Twitter thread about it and why I think EPA can miss the point on some of this stuff. EPA is a team stat. We've talked about that many times. Rodgers was good, good enough. They won 13 games. He was good enough to win those games, came through in that Lions game. They come back to win. Pick a Lions game. Both Lions games came back to win. And there weren't really that many other 50-50 games on the on the year. Not really many other coin flip games where he had to be significantly better than he was. Now, I think next year they'll have some regression with injuries, probably some more defensive injuries, and he he might have to be better to get them to 11, 12, 13 wins. I don't see them getting back there. Their Pythagorean win expectation based on their, their point differential is a little over 9.5. It was like 9.7. So they're a 10-win team this year that won 13 games. The expectation is they'll probably regress a little bit. I think they're with a harder schedule, an 11-win team, a 12-win team next year. Probably not a 13-win team next year. But if they take a step forward with this offense, a year-two leap like Kyle Shanahan did with Matt Ryan, who knows? All bets are off. They overachieve this year. Maybe if they just regular achieve next year, it with some added talent, they can get back in that 12-win range. We'll see. But they don't have to make any moves here. Could they Could they bring in someone like Marcus Mariota as a backup? Sure, they could. Are they going to look in the draft for someone? Maybe. I think that that makes a little bit more sense than, than paying some money. Maybe that's the short-term fix. Maybe you bring in Mariota for a year, see what happens. And you reunite Mariota with LaFleur and just go from there. And then maybe you make a decision next year. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback 2020, 2021 for sure. So any any discussion about high picks on quarterbacks, I think, has to wait until at least next offseason. But that doesn't mean they won't take anyone. I mean, you could look at Jake Fromm, third, fourth round. I mean, those things are options. They're not looking for an heir apparent for Aaron Rodgers. They're looking to win Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers right now. And that means bringing in talent at receiver, offensive line. I wrote about it for Packer Report today. The offensive line is where this offseason starts. Re-signing Brian Bulaga unlocks everything for you. This offensive line was number one in pass rush win weight. We talked about it all year, and I couldn't say it all year. They were great. Elton Jenkins just got better as the year went on. He is going to be a Pro Bowl type player. When when Billy Turner, who is a massive upgrade over what you had at right guard last year, is the, the most inconsistent player on your line, you have a good offensive line. Corey Lindsay, one of the best centers in football. David Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles in football. My point in the piece was don't turn a strength into a question mark. I don't think it, it's not a weakness because even if you put another guy in there and he's not great, you're still going to have a pretty good offensive line. But we saw with Alex Light in there what a, a bad offensive tackle can do for your team. Give Brian Bulaga the Chad Clifton extension and go from there. I do think that that still opens up the possibility that they draft someone high. First round, second round, third round, even the fourth round. No team in the last generation, has drafted fourth-round offensive linemen the way the Packers have. I mean, David Bakhtiari, Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, they got Corey Lindsley in the fifth. So 
their ability to get day three offensive linemen and turn them into quality players is unmatched in the league. And maybe that's what they'll do. I could also see them in the first round. You know, Monday we talked about it, the the Auburn tackle. There are a lot of tackles in this league. It's going to come down to preferences. Could Green Bay really like one? Sure. And that is how Ted Thompson often preferred to build his team at the top of the draft. Traded up for Jason Spriggs, Derek Sherrod. He he likes to build his team in the trenches. I think I think Brian Gutekunst is cut from that same cloth. So if he can get an offensive or a defensive lineman that he really likes in the first round, I still tend to think that that's where they're going to go. I could also see a linebacker. I know everyone wants to talk about the receivers and and what that means and what they could do there, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But this offensive line is is really good right now. So sure, build for the future, but solidify the present with the Brian Bulaga move and then go from there. Receiver. So you sign Brian Bulaga. Now in the first round, if you're in love with Jalen Rager, take him. If you let Brian Bulaga walk, you have to think long and hard about adding a receiver there when you don't have a good option at offensive tackle. Even if you sign someone, you don't have probably a good long-term solution. You still have to pay Bakhtiari on a big extension. You still got to pay Kenny Clark. So the the more you can do with value, you're not going to be able to get, likely, not going to be able to get a better value than Brian Bulaga. So re-sign him. And then Justin Jefferson, Courtney Davis in the second round, there, LaVisca Chenault, who I was tweeting about yesterday. There are so many quality playmakers in this draft. Go find one. I, I threw out the idea of trading for Robert Woods. The Rams need to get off some money. I think there's a lot of ways that they can go about this. But Devontae Adams, star. And they really were, were finding ways to get him involved later in the season to beat double coverage. I think Alan Lazard has a bright future as a, as a, as a tertiary piece, a secondary piece. I still like the talent of Equinemius St. Brown. I don't know, though. It's unclear, though, what his standing is with the team. If they thought he was going to be an integral part of this offense, would they have designated him for a return? Would they have used a roster spot on him and then IR'd him? I don't know. It's hard to gauge where the team is with EQ at this point, but but Rodgers likes him, and so maybe that counts for something. At tight end, Jay Sternberger, he really came on the last month. They were able to use him as an H-back. That suggests that they are really happy with his development as a blocker. And as a receiver, that was what he was great at in college. We saw him get his first career touchdown in the playoffs. That was a cool moment on a second reaction play where he dusted Fred Werner. Just absolutely put the brakes on, changed directions, and Werner lost him. Just just lost him. And so second reaction plays are hard, but his ability to work open and, and make that play that just that that shows you encapsulated his talent and his ability. Jimmy Graham, I mean, did he retire? Had a, had a somewhat cryptic social media post about thanking fans for his their support the last ten years. It sounded very much like a goodbye, and that makes sense given he was likely to be released by the Packers. Maybe he gets a veteran minimum deal for the Patriots or someone like that. But if you're someone as great as Jimmy Graham has been, maybe you want to just leave with a little bit of dignity. I totally understand that for him and, and wish him the absolute best. Mercedes Lewis sounds like a guy who wants to play again. So if they're able to bring him back on a veteran minimum deal, Robert Tanyan, and then maybe you draft someone day three, you get one of those, 
those blocker types. It was a blocker in college, but like they're low key, a good athlete and could develop into something useful as a pass catcher, but maybe just a secondary pass catcher. I like that idea. There were a bunch of those guys at tight end last year and they could have, they could have doubled up at tight end, but I, you know, I think some of the guys they got on day three are going to help them eventually guys like Kingsley Kiki, who will get a shot, I think to get more meaningful playing time at that defensive line spot next year. And at running back, what do you do with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? Because they're both going into the the last years of their deal, their their potential, you know, Jones in particular is a potential holdout candidate, and the Packers are going to have a decision to make. Do they want to pay these guys? And that leads to questions about drafting a running back, seeing what they can do there. It's one reason why I, I love the idea of LaVisca Chenault from Colorado because he could play some backfield snaps. You could line him up next to Aaron Rodgers and do some fun things. You could use him on some jet sweeps like Tyler Irvin, give him some carries that you know makes it easier to justify, you know say, letting Jamal Williams move on, paying Aaron Jones more money than you may otherwise have, and just sort of rolling with a replacement-level running back behind him. We'll see what the Packers want to do there, but we'll have a good idea of what their future plans are based on how they they draft running backs this upcoming offseason. And that's it. That's the team. Those are the important positions anyway. And so, I mean, I think we we narrowed in on some on some big things. The number one priority position, really the only priority position that they're worried about heading into the offseason is receiver. They need to they need to add one maybe one and a half players at that position. And if it's the right one player, I think one would be enough because I think their secondary pieces after Devontae Adams are are nice. They're they're potentially useful. And then they've, they've got to shore up that, that triangle in the middle of the defense, that defensive line spot next to Kenny Clark and the linebacker spot behind him. Even just one linebacker there would make a world of difference. And all of a sudden, you know, Aaron Rodgers said he thought that these these teams, these being the Packers and the 49ers, were not that far apart. We're talking about three three players. And if you if you're able to get an upgraded defensive line, uh, a developmental linebacker even and a and a solid receiver, all of a sudden you're right there in the mix and and you're looking like a team that doesn't have too many holes. So for as much work as Brian Gutekinds did in the positive last offseason to bolster this team, he could do it again this offseason with a, with a couple moves. Doesn't have to be splashy free agent moves this time. Make the right picks in the draft. Find a value at receiver in, in free agency or the trade market. Who knows? Maybe they're able to convince A.J. Green to come try and win a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Maybe they're, trying, maybe they're able to convince the Rams to part with Robert Woods. These are all possibilities and could immediately vault the Packers forward in the packing order if they're not already right there in the second or third spot in the NFC. So this is an exciting time for the Packers. This was always a two-year plan with Matt LaFleur at least. We've seen this recently. Doug Peterson, year two, they win the Super Bowl. Sean McVay, year two, they go to the Super Bowl. A bunch of these coaches, Gary Kubiak, year two, this is this is an opportunity for the Packers to get better and be right back in the mix with the 49ers with a chance to go to the Super Bowl next year, and that work starts now. We're going to be back tomorrow. It's going to be our last show of this week. Keep an eye out on the feed. Some some weeks we're going to have four shows in the offseason. Some, week, some weeks we're going to have five, depending on what's going on. So, you know, combine week, let's have five. Free agency week, we'll have five. Some other weeks we'll, we may only do four depending on on what's going on and what the schedule looks like. So the easiest thing to do to make sure you never miss a Locked on Packers because we are going strong in the offseason. This is for 
fans who cannot get enough of the Packers discussions. And yes, there is always something to talk about. We will never waste your time with hot take nonsense, with silly debates. That's not what we do. Our goal is always to inform and entertain. So that's what we're going to do this offseason. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, send us your questions because we surely will spend time answering those as well. Anytime you want to hit us up there, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.